Thank you all for teaching us how to sing the song. Praise the Lord. It was cool to hear the build up and the different times we stopped and were educated, but I personally found some great joy when they just cut out all instruments and it was just the voices of God's people singing together. So thank you, worship team. Um, have you ever been in a relationship? Maybe it was a strong friendship. Uh, maybe it was your marriage. And maybe you attached something to the conversation that wasn't supposed to be there. You, you, you went ahead and threw something in there that, 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 that wasn't supposed to be in there. You know, like you, y'all about to have an argument getting into it, and uh, you have just been called out about, I don't know, leaving that little bitty bit of milk at the bottom of the gallon. You know that little bitty bit of milk you're supposed to finish, but they didn't put it back in the fridge, and you mess around and then respond kind of crazy, right? You got called out a little bit, or they, they, they remember, and now you say something silly like, but what about your dry chicken? <laughs> you know you done done it, where, where something from the situation leads you to just pop off and say something. You, you're ready to respond. You're ready to say something that they don't even connect, you know? I've been there. I've, I've, I've had to apologize many a times. My wife's chicken is good, just for the record. I've, I've, but I've had to apologize many a times. And, and, it, and it's cool to see when God uses people to respond to situations. To situations where an issue happens and there's an accurate response, and that's that's Paul, that's this apostle, that's Paul. Paul has written many a letter to situations. There's some sexual immorality in the church, and Paul pulls out the pen. There's some folks that's lazy in the church, and so Paul pulls out the pen. There's some folks that are wrestling with when Christ is going to return. And so they're like, well, hey, he's coming back. We can chill. Paul pulls out the pen. But this time, Paul actually gets to do the thing he's always, I'm not going to say always wanted to do, but the thing that was ideal. He got to write a letter based off of his hope for a community not based off of their situation. Ephesians is very different than the other letters that Paul has written. It's not drama. It's not this big situation that he's entering into and says, I need to respond to equip the people. Actually, this book, this letter is written where Paul just says, I want to see the saints encouraged and blessed and know and understand God, what am I going to write? 
As we go through this book of Ephesians, you're going to see Paul be able to just lay out clearly. Here is what the believers should know in order to thrive in Christ. And here is what the believers should do in order to live out the faith. It's a little bit different book than the others. So you might not get a, 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 some of those hard words of Paul where he has to wake you up. Because sexually you're doing stuff you're not supposed to. So the language in those books is a little harder. In this one, it's a little bit more of an education of, you know what? Let me give you stepping stone after stepping stone after stepping stone. Because I'm trying to build you up in understanding. Trying to give you some clarity of understanding the beauty of this God. And so the book of Ephesians is our next book that we're going to be in for some time. And today I want to give you some background, some introductory understanding to the book as we're going to be doing a deep, deep dive into it. Ephesus was 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 like a gateway to Asia. It's kind of like like campus marshes. You know, from, from Campus Marshes, you can head west, jump on Jefferson, fly or go west. You can go hit Dearborn if you get on, you know, Michigan Ave. Jump on Woodward, you headed north. You know, it, it is the way in which you can access a bunch of different communities, and that was Ephesus. It was a, uh, a port city, and it had tons of tourism. Folks would visit one of these erected statues to this goddess called Artemis. She was deemed the goddess of fertility, and it would be like today when people spend thousands of dollars just to go see the Eiffel Tower. Got it on the postcard, can pull it up on the website, but you want to go see it in person. You want to travel from London to America to see the Statue of Liberty. It, this was one of the seven big feats to see in the world at that time. So people from all over tourism would flock to Ephesus. It was famous for this great temple to this, to this, uh, this idol. But but we get a picture of our brother Paul in Ephesus in chapter 19 of Acts. Chapter 19 of Acts. We're going to see Paul's flavor come out in a few different ways. First, he rolls up on some brothers that's disciples, ask them how they've been discipled, starting in Acts chapter 19. Uh, and then he says to these brothers, hey, who, how are y'all baptized? And they said, we was baptized into John. And basically in verse four, he says, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him. That is Jesus. So on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord. So in Ephesus, Paul is doing some baptizing. He then goes and evangelizes. And y'all know how it is when Paul go evangelize up in the church. Brothers ain't having it. So they kicked him out the church, but he still stayed in the community and educated people within the community for the next two years. It says in verse nine that he withdrew 
from them, being those in the synagogue that were challenging him, and took his disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. Uh, this continued for two years so that the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. Then something happened. Y'all ever, uh, I'm probably the only one I know, but like you ever up at uh, about one, maybe two in the morning and those infomercials come on and it's like, you know, super squeegee, get your whole car in one wipe. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> or, or the, or the uh, oven mitt that, you know, like cleans itself, like all them, you know, the stuff. But somehow, sometime, the brothers of faith work in there. And it'll be like, you know, if you need to be healed, get this bottle. And I'm telling you, this bottle was sweat from the apostle of the apostle of the apostle. And that sweat will just cleanse you. Get the, get the prayer towel. Well, that's biblical. Look in verse 11. I know, right? It's crazy. I know. But Paul is preaching the gospel and the Lord is doing some crazy miracles, crazy miracles through Paul. And in verse 11, it says, and God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick and their diseases left them and the evil spirits came out of them. In Ephesus, miracles are happening. Baptisms are taking place. The evangelism, the the gospel is going forth and being taught to people. Now, I'm not telling you to sign up and go order one of them things you see at 2 a.m. Not saying that. I am saying, though, that miracles were happening in Ephesus. and, And God is using Paul in an amazing way. And lastly, you get... Uh, sorry, D, but uh, in, in chapter 19, this brother named Demetrius is a silver metal worker. And he's making these idols that look just like the goddess that everybody's coming around. So he's making the little Eiffel Towers. And he gets with the other homies because he makes the little one. You make the bigger one. He makes the posters and he's saying... Now, hold up. This brother Paul is saying that the goddess is fake. He messing with your money. He messing with my money. He messing with, hey, 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 we got to do something about this. You got to go, Paul. And so we see Paul engaging with the culture. Because as the gospel goes forth, it does disrupt idol structures and conformity all this in Ephesus and lastly as my brother has spent years upon like three years with these people actually in the next chapter of Acts Acts 20 uh, we get a sense of his love for the people and their love for him starting in verse 35 it says In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. 
And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all, with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. This is a brother that they loved dearly, a man that ministered to them, a connection that was rich and deep. And this church, these people in Ephesus are sad that their brother is leaving them. So you're getting baptism, you're getting miracles, you're getting an intimate relationship of believers, you're getting people uh, being equipped with the gospel, you're getting the challenging of culture. All this is happening in Ephesus. And then our brother gets a chance to write and say, how would I want to equip? How would I want to bless? How would I want to encourage the saints? So we dive in to his first two verses. And I know y'all like, ooh, we only got two verses today. Pastor going to be done in about three minutes. Don't worry. I'm stretching it out. Not long, not long. And so verse one of chapter one in the book of Ephesians, and it says this uh, verse, I'll just read one and two. Uh, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul, an apostle. Paul, an apostle. And an apostle is a messenger. An apostle is one who goes out and takes the word forth. Now, it's, 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 it's weird. Um, my, my wife and I have been watching this show, and uh, I thought that I was not going to like it at all. She pulled it up, and it's this uh, Japanese sister, uh, Marie Kondo. Kondo. Um, <laughs> And it's like, she like come in the house and she like helps you, is it tidy up, clean it up? Tidying up. Tidying up. She helps you tidy up the crib. So, so she comes into people's homes that are like a bit, let me try to be nice, untidy, untidy. <laughs> needs some help in order. So she comes in the crib and she'll look around and she'll start giving you suggestions. This is what I think you should do. This is what I think you should do. But when she's speaking to you and she's in America, most of the spots I think are in Cali, she's talking, but she's Japanese. She's speaking in Japanese. But there's a sister right to her side. That's the interpreter. And the sister, as the interpreter, only says what the people need to understand from Sister Marie. The interpreter does not say what she wants to say. The interpreter is not there to give you any type of idea of how to tidy. She only tells you what. Is it Sister Marie? Sister Marie. She only tells you what Sister Marie has said. That's the same role of the apostle. The apostle is not coming saying, hey, let me tell you what it looks like for you to worship Paul. To be a child of Paul. 
No, Paul is saying, and even in these words, he's telling you who owns him. Christ Jesus, by the will of God, I am simply the messenger of the one who is great. I am simply the translator of the beautiful understanding and word of God unto you so that it is digestible and palatable and understandable to you. But I I love this because Paul, when he says like, like Paul, an apostle, it's supposed to make you every time say, what? Paul, like every time you're supposed to be, you're supposed to have a gut check him Oh, yeah. Wow. This is another reminder of how big God is. Let me let me let me show you how. Um, J.D., I messed up my slides on my paper. So could you walk me through the next uh, scripture verse I have? Yep. So in Acts 26, 9 through 11, we got Paul basically before he was Paul being Saul. And this is where Saul goes out and kills Christians. And when you have a chance as a Christian and you get caught and they say, "Okay, so should Mike live or die? Saul would cast his vote to say, die, die, die. So we have a man who was a who was a uh, uh, attacker, who was a um, uh, vigilant, who was just zealous to hurt believers. But you have so 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 imagine like the the worst thing that you could do. Paul did it. So we got a spectrum here. Maybe maybe you have something inside you as a believer and you're like, God's love reaches far, but I don't know about that far. God's love is supposed to be never giving up, never ending but I did this one thing. And every time you hear Paul, the apostle, it's supposed to be like, oh, I might have done something bad. But Paul did something bad, too. Maybe you're on that end. Maybe you're on the other end. Because the next verse, I think, uh, go to that next one for me, brother, is, is about Paul having his training from uh, Gamaliel and basically Gamaliel is the best type of training type of school the most prestigious experience that you could have Paul received it and so maybe you don't have the life of committing a whole bunch of drama killing hurting maybe you have the life of what might be deemed as perfection the easy, good life by some terms. Where are you on the spectrum? Worst act committed or spoon fed in your mouth of access to new powerful positions? Either way, Paul is casting this net wide and shows every time you see Paul and Apostle that you're going to be like, wait, he's an apostle for Christ. And it was, it was, his, his name was so, 
when it preceded him so much and, and, and affected the Christian community so much that, that, that our brother uh, Ananias, uh, and go to that next one for me, my brother, that brother Ananias, who loved the Lord, actually has an experience where the Lord speaks to him. And he's saying, Ananias, I want you to get ready to care for my son, Paul, who I'm going to send your way. He's hearing from the Lord. And look at what Ananias says. Ananias says, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much evil he's done to your saints in Jerusalem. This is this is a brother who's hearing from the Lord. And he like, um, Lord, can we get a timeout? Um, I, I know you got the manifestation and everything right here. But this brother got a rap sheet. I mean, you, do you, you know that we all kind of running from this dude, right? This is the dude. You know that you pick. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind up all who call your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry out my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Paul, the apostle. And so Paul, while he's communicating with these people in his first three words, he's trying to say, I need you to get that the far reaching love of Christ will extend beyond any circumstance. The God of love will care for the privileged and the persecutor. This God of love has done a work, but it's only because of the authority that Christ has in his life. And so we then move on to uh, continue in that verse one, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus, the saints who are in Ephesus, the saints, a saint by uh, a day, a day, uh, the ed, ed, contributing editor of the African Bible commentary. He says a saint is not a description of what people are like, but what God has done for them. Yes. That God has set you apart for his holy purposes. A saint is not talking about what you have achieved, what you went out to do, what you have accomplished, but actually what God has done to you. He has set you apart, set us apart for his beautiful, holy purposes. I remember once uh, a brother was uh, trying to break this down for me, and he was like, yeah, you know, and then it's an ontological change that happens in the very, I said, boop, time, time out. Uh, what's ontological mean? Because he, he had lost me on the on part of ontological. And, um, but but it's, it's the, it's the essence, the very being of who you are, that, that something about the very core of who you are changes when God makes you a saint, that you are no longer the same. You are not who you used to be. 
and it's not by the power of you. It's not by the power of us. It's not by the power or our strength. It is something that God does. We're going to see this principle communicated over and over in the book of Ephesians, that there are some things that you just have no part in, but benefit greatly from. And so on that component of what Paul is sharing, no responsibility, no credit unto us. It is God and God alone who makes us saints. But then he continues on to the saints who are in Ephesus, verse one, and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Faithful in Christ Jesus. Ademo, Ademo uh, continues to say about faithful. He says, now this is our commitment to maintain a good relationship with the Lord through holding fast to his word and being obedient. So on the one hand, as a saint, God has done something to you. But being faithful is something that you do, that you live out, that you are committed to. And it reminds me of marriage. It reminds me of the opportunities that God has blessed me with to sit there and actually stand and encourage people and say, God has made the two now one. You couldn't do that yourself. You couldn't make yourself one. God does something like this where he unites two people, two very different people, makes them one. But then staying faithful is on you. If you start giving out your number, to somebody other than your spouse. Don't you say that was God. If we start seeing your car parked on eight mile late night with all them lights flashing at the spot, don't say that was God. There is a faithfulness that then happens from the point of God making you one. Now you got to live that out. Now you have to demonstrate that this love is real. Now you got to show temptation may come, but I'm stepping right over it. I'm kicking right through it because I'm being faithful. It is an expression of you recognizing what you have. And so here we see a faithfulness in Christ, this beautiful marriage of Man, he's made me a saint, set me apart for his beautiful purposes, but he also calls me to live it out faithfully. Those things are going to constantly be uh, a complementing aspect of faith and also a confusing aspect of faith, excuse, of what it means to walk and live for the Lord. It's going to be complementing because you get that there's some stuff that you just can't do can't save yourself. But you also get, man, but there's some ways that I should show God I'm thankful for him saving me. But then sometimes it gets confusing because you're like, well, I want to be faithful, but Lord, I need you to empower me to give me the strength to be faithful. 
But if I do it all by myself, then I'm just strong and I don't even need you. And so you start wrestling and wrestling and wrestling. And all I'm saying is don't go down that rabbit trail just yet. First, start with a firm foundation that God does things for me outside of my power. But that doesn't make me his robot. And God also calls me to live for him faithfully, which means that I have to live out the beauty of what he has done for me. And there's some responsibility. And we're going to see those things working together and sometimes internally uh, having some tension uh, at times as well. And so the whole book is a book about maturity. The whole book is a book about maturity. And Jay, if you can pull up that next, this probably jumped a few, but just to maturity, you're going to see that God is confirming who he is and what he has done in his people, in history, in the lives of his people. His whole goal in Ephesians is to mature believers, that we would fully develop in Christ. Start at one place and grow. Start at one place of understanding and grow. Enter into this book, believe, having read this letter, more equipped to live out the the gospel. And so there's a a confirming aspect. You need to just understand who I am, y'all. That happens chapter one through three. But now that you understand who I am, you also need to live this thing out. Now I've got some extremely clear understanding of what it looks like to live out those foundation, foundational principles, and that's in chapters four through six. But y'all know I always put a little Leon spin on it. So chapters one through three is God did it. You just need to understand there's some stuff that God did and you need to grasp, we need to grasp the overwhelming love that he has where he says, chill out, I got you. Amen. I got you. I know it hurts, but I got you. But that does not absolve us. That does not free us to then just be like these grace-filled puppets that God uses and controls. No, 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 no. He then says, though, now God did it, and I'm calling you to go live it. And that's going to be verses chapters 4 through 6. And so this book of Ephesians is, is right for us. It is perfect for us. It is perfect for every person in this room. Verse two, it says, grace to you and peace from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace is this this gift that's given freely with no obligation. God was not obligated to show this love, this compassion, this kindness, wasn't forced to, did it out of the beauty of who he is, out of his love for his, for his humanity. And we get to receive that. We get to experience that. But peace is the byproduct of you recognizing the grace you've received. 
And sometimes we get it flipped. Sometimes we're like, okay, God, I know you're real. I know I hear you. I see what you're doing in everybody else's life. I'm going to give you my all, not just 80, not just 99. I'll give you 100 when I get full peace. So give me full peace. Then I'll give you my all, acknowledging the extent of your grace, which is backwards, which, which God is trying to say, no, if you understand, the fullness of my grace, the pain in which you feel today, the things that you are hurting from, if you would understand that that 1% you still hold on to, that I want to love that, comfort that, and care for that, if you would understand that I just want all of you and that my grace covers every aspect of you, and I'm giving that to you, whether you are the worst of the worst and committed the crimes that that would make Paul blush or whether you've experienced the, 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 the best opportunities this nation has to offer, it doesn't matter. My grace is for you. And as you experience that, peace begins. As you experience me covering you, loving you, extending to the deepest parts of who you are, even those ugly parts that you're scared to let anyone else into, when you see that my grace is sufficient for that, then you get to experience peace. And so family, I am desiring for us to see this book of Ephesians as one where maybe God will use each verse, each chapter to peel away layer after layer that has hindered us from fully giving him our all. Where we, where we for some reason uh, like grace, but like it in doses. We, we like grace, but aren't willing to uh, just be overwhelmed by his grace. Where we are simply crying at the feet of the Father because we know we don't deserve it, and yet he's lavished all this love on us. I'm excited about this book. I'm excited about it because if, if, if you've longed to see miracles take place, and I'm, I'm not one that uh, compartmentalizes miracles, I think that if a person loves the Lord and they get a healthier marriage and become a better wife or a better husband, to me, that's a miracle. But I'm also not compartmentalizing where... Uh, maybe there's a handkerchief moment and some of us deal with an issue that's a physical healing and God wants to heal that thing. I'm not compartmentalizing. If you long for miracles, if you long for, for, for growing and being able to evangelize, if you long for understanding the extent by which grace reaches for you, Ephesians is the book. Ephesians is that book where if you want to know, man, God, what did you do? And what are you calling me to? Ephesians is the book. So family, I'm excited with you for us to dive into this book. I'm excited for us to experience the overwhelming grace that God has for us so that we might be able to 
experience his peace. Let us pray together. Lord, 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 you are good. And uh, some of us have thoughts that hinder us being able to thrive. We come from broken families and maybe we don't have a support structure. You want that. We come from uh, finances that don't seem to be adding up. You want that. We come from uh, a heart that loves you, but an understanding that is short. And so when we talk, try to talk to somebody about Jesus, we don't even know what to say. All we can say is we love you dearly, but we want to be able to have more than that. Equip us for evangelism. God, you want that. For those of us, Lord, that are uh, secretly inside hurting, though the face looks beautiful, let your word speak to us because we are not here to worship Paul. We're not here to worship Ephesians. We're here to worship a holy God who loves us and you want to care for that pain. Give, Father, those that are present the willingness to choose your ways and your will for their lives. Use this book as a way that we might grow as your church, grow in knowing you and living for you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.